bless you guys. Amen. So, we're going to transition to our message. We are honored to have Mary Schnur bringing the message today. She's got an awesome message. Come on up, Mary. Thank you. Good morning. How y'all doing? Hey, Marissa. Hey, girl. So I wasn't going to, but I had so many people ask me if I had a joke this morning that I felt like I couldn't not do it. So <laughs> Sarah, Sarah just hung her head. She's like, oh, God. <laughs> Sarah, I wasn't going to do it, but so many people asked. It is high in demand. And then we'll pray because we're going to ask the Holy Spirit to come back after this, okay? <laughs> so <laughs> what do you call the security guard at a Samsung store? Harley, don't say it. <laughs> I've told him this joke before. <laughs> Kevin's trying to figure it out. You guys ready? Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> Sarah! Sarah's praying for the Holy Spirit to come back. She's like, don't leave me! <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I thought it was great. <laughs> so, God, we just thank you. I'm so honored to be here. Holy Spirit, come back. Sarah, you're welcome. Come on. <laughs> so, I'm honored to be here. Thank you so much for this opportunity to just um, be able to share a message. Pastor and Pastor Kelly, I'm honored to be able to be a part of this church and to be able to work under you and with you. You guys are amazing. So, thank you. Um, I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to get into the message. Sound good? It feels like a good order of things after a joke, of course. We definitely need to pray. So, Father God, we just thank you, Lord. We thank you, Father, that you are a good God. We thank you that you are full of mercy and grace, that you, you just pour out your blessings upon your children, Lord. Father, I ask that as I share the message that you put on my heart, Father, that you just open our hearts to receive all that you have for us. You open our ears to hear the words that you speak, Father God. Lord, just minister to each individual person today, God. Speak to their hearts, Lord. Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence. We ask that you just increase as the message goes on and as our Sunday service continues. We ask that you bless every person here in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm excited. I And at the same time, I'm a little nervous. I'm not going to lie because the message I have to share and God put on my heart to share, I even I was kind of like, oh, God. I don't want to share that message because it, it can be hard sometimes. And it's like you want to be able to deliver it in a way that does not bring condemnation but, be, but speak life to someone. Because God really put on my heart a hunger for righteousness. And, you know, Pastor Jim has been talking about how we are righteous in the eyes of God because of Christ Jesus. And we are. We are not... We are not sinners saved by grace. We were once sinners who are now righteous in the eyes of, of God. And so we, we are made righteous, but we also have to choose to live a righteous lifestyle. You know, so you, you are righteous in the eyes of God because of Christ Jesus and what he did on the cross. But you still have to choose to live that out. You have to choose to partner with the lifestyle that God calls righteous. And what he's put on our lives to, is, is the ability to do that because he's given us all the tools in the Bible. He, he's given us the tools, and he's also given us a huge helper with the Holy Spirit to come in and, and speak to us and encourage us and let us know when it's time to lay something down that once was because it's no longer who we are. 
So the Holy Spirit is our helper, and God is our word of life. And so, yes, we are righteous through Christ, but at the same time, we have to choose to partner with being righteous by the lifestyle that we live and the examples that we set to those around us. But most importantly, yes, it's between you and God, but we want to know that when someone says, I am a Christian, that they are representing Christ, right? We, we do. Like, we, how many people have looked at another Christian and was shocked by something that they've done? Because they profess Christianity. But by the world, we're not as shocked. We're like, oh, well, you know, they're of the world, right? But either way, we still need to know that we are representing who we are because God called us to. Not, because, not just because we profess a title, but because it's who we were called to be. We were never created to be sinners. We were created righteous in the garden. There was, there was not, we were not created a sinner because we were walking with Christ in the garden, right? So we are restored back to that place through Christ Jesus. So now we have to choose to learn and allow God to teach us what walking it out looks like. So I'm just going to share a little bit of my story with you. And I just want to tell you about it because for me, it's been a process. And I think for everyone here, they can probably say the same thing. You know, when you first start out as a Christian, or even if you were, if you grew up in the church, there's still a point where you start to choose that this is the lifestyle that I want for me. doesn't matter what your parents taught you. There's a point where you have to choose it for yourself. You can only live under the grace of your parents' faith for so long. <laughs> All right? You can only live so long under the grace of your parents' faith. So there was a point for me where I had to choose my God. And once I made that decision, now I had to have him direct my steps. And that's hard, especially if you're a little bit of a control freak. I, I got any in the house? Because I know there's probably some. I mean, it's, it's a hard thing because control became a security blanket. See, we control our life and we control the things around us because it protects us or it gives us a false sense of protection because we're controlling something. But really all it does is can create stumbling blocks for you. So, and it can create a, a, a division between you and God because if you're trying to control when God says surrender, how far are you going to get? So there's a point where you have to choose to say, yes, I'm going to let you direct my steps. And even though I'm not quite sure of the path you have me on, I'm going to do it one step at a time, and I'm going to trust you in that process. But you see, God, he knows, that we, he knows we need to learn how to trust him because we are experiential. Human beings are experiential. What we have experienced in the past is, how we, is, how, is a lens that we see the rest of our life through and, and through people through. So God knows this about us. He's so good. He's all-knowing. Did you know that? I know. It's amazing. But he knows this, and he's gracious, and he's kind, right? So God's kind, and he's, and he's so good. So I had to be in a point where, yes, I chose him, and there were certain things in my life that God, I, I, I want to be careful of the words I use, but for lack of a better word at this moment, I'm going to say he, he allowed them to stay in my life for a period of time as I learned to grow and trust in him. But then as I grew and trusted him, and I became more aware of him, and I learned about him, and I learned with him his ways and his, and his truth and what I was supposed to be and who I really am, I learned that those things that he allowed in my life for a period of time to remain that were my old, he started kind of stirring up and saying, hey, Mary, I want you to look at this over here because this really isn't what I intended for you. And so I had to look at it, and I had to choose to say yes, even though I enjoy that for a moment, 
it's not really the fullness of God. Okay. <laughs> Hello, Marissa. Don't throw a shoe at me today. <laughs> Don't do it. Keep your, somebody take her shoes. So, so you like you you have to you have to choose to say yes to him when he when he challenges you in something. He's not going to make you say yes. You have to choose it. You have to say, okay, I see where before that was something that I thought I needed to make myself feel fulfilled. But you're telling me that that is not the fullness of what you have for me. And so I'm going to choose to trust you because of what I've learned about you and what I know about you now because of my relationship with you. And this is in the beginning. And it was, you know, just small things here and there. But it was just like every little step, it made it easier. And as I trusted him in the smaller things, and as we moved forward, I began to trust him in some of the medium-sized things. <laughs> and then as I began to trust him more, the bigger things in my life that he, that, that he says, I really need you to just trust me here and just take a leap of faith because I'm not going to tell you what's coming up. I just need you to know that when I'm telling you that this is not good, that it's not good. And I have to be like, well, okay, but God, if I don't do this, then I could see where this, this, and this could happen. And he goes, but you don't know the whole picture. You know a few pieces of the puzzle. You know, if, you, if, you, if you're trying to put a puzzle together and all you are is zooming in on one spot and you're only looking at one spot, you're never going to complete that puzzle because you can't see the whole picture. And if you don't have any point of reference, like the cover of the box, it's that much harder to put the puzzle together. See, but God has the box cover and we trust him with the pieces. So we have to choose to say yes to the things that he calls us to when it comes into walking in righteousness. So if you look at Ephesians 4, I just want to share this with you because he tells us, Ephesians 4, 20 through 4, he says, That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So see, I knew my old ways. But God says once I, became, once I learned about Jesus, I'm no longer my old ways. I had to learn the new ways. So I, just, I do have a visual demonstration that I'm going to do as we move on. But... Just for starters, this is you. This is all of us. Right now, we are learning a new way, right? It doesn't matter how far along you are in Christ, you're always learning something new about him. So we're always learning a new way. But when we come to Christ, we come with a lot of pieces, a fun sound. See, and there's a lot of pieces that are not God. And these are the things that consume us. These are the things that fill us. These are the things that we have to relearn. These are the things that we have to give up. These are the things that we think are a fulfilling life. But they're really not because they're not the things that God has for us. I'm just going to leave that for a little while. So as we're learning a new life, so, so God called me. There, there, I'm just going to speak specifically about one thing in my life that he talked to me about. And this is not a judgment. This is not creating an argument for anyone. I know clearly what the Bible says about drinking, but I'm going to tell you this is what God spoke to me about my life. 
Um, I, I did never struggle with alcohol. I was not an alcoholic. I was not even like a frequent drinker. It wasn't something that I did regularly. I just, on occasion, I liked to have a drink. And it was never an issue. But there was one point, and it wasn't like this profound moment. I was just in the, in the grocery store, and I went to buy um, a, you know, a, a pack to bring home and just keep in my fridge for if I wanted one. And I just really felt like God said no. And I was like, okay. There was no reason behind it. There was no reason behind the no. There was nothing that, he, that I felt like was like this. I was like, oh, okay, well, he doesn't want me to drink because I, I use it as a comfort. He doesn't want me to drink because I use it to escape. There was, there was nothing like that. You, honestly, I, I would come home, and I would just I would put a pizza in the oven. I would grab a bottle, and I would just sit out by my, by my fire in my backyard. It was just a relaxing thing. That was, that was what I did. But there, it was never more than one. But God said no. And I had to trust him because I had no point of reference as to why there was a no for something that was not a hindrance in my life, right? But for three years, for no reason, and I never asked him why, there was just for a solid three years, there was just, there was no release, there was, there was just no release. And it wasn't something that I struggled with. It was just on occasion, I'd be like, if I was in the grocery store, I was like, oh, maybe, maybe I'll just go buy one now. And there'll just be this silent no, you know, just a, just a feeling in my spirit. And I'd be like, okay, I'm not worried about it. Then I just stopped even trying because at that point, it wasn't anything that I even thought about anymore. But what I really learned and what God was showing me is that I was learning to trust him even without my understanding. I was learning to trust him without having to have an explanation be, for the why. Because in my natural mind, there was no reason why I couldn't have a drink. I wasn't getting drunk. It was not, nothing that ever hindered my life. But it was still something that he said, I don't want you to do. And here's, this is where I feel, and I'm just going to throw this out there. There's no, I don't have anything to support this other than just my own feeling. But I also believe that sometimes there's something that God could protecting us from that we don't even know could be an issue. So where maybe alcohol was not an issue yet, maybe in those three years because of the things I was going through, it could have become a struggle, and it could have become a crutch, and it could have become something where I could have possibly became an alcoholic because alcoholism runs in my father's side of the family. Alcoholism, drug addiction, it's very, it's, it's very, very strong in my father's side of the family. So I know that there is that spiritual influence that is already in there, but at the same time, even though it did not impact me in the moment, it could have. Because those three years that I didn't do anything that got at, you know, I didn't drink at all, those were a, a rough three years. Like, they were really hard. I was going through, through some emotional things. I didn't realize it then, but I look back now, and I actually was in a very serious depression. There was times that I would just, I would get out of work, and I would go home, and I would crawl in my bed, and I would just be under the covers for hours because I just couldn't focus and I couldn't think and I was so scared and I didn't know why. It just hit me so heavy. And I just I was so so taught to just push out the you know thinking about myself. I didn't even realize that that's what I was going through. It was just a coping thing. So I would just do it until I could get myself back to the place where I had to leave because then I had somewhere else I had to be and then I would pull myself back together and I'd put on the face and nobody knew what was going on. So who knows, maybe in those three years, that could have become a stumbling block. But because I said yes to God, it didn't. And I don't know if it ever would have, but I really believe that that was his protection. And it didn't just teach me to trust him in the things that I don't know, but it also taught me to trust him in protecting me when I don't know how to protect myself. 
because he does. He does it better than any of us ever could. He just does it better than any of us ever could. And I'm thankful for that. See, but then there's other areas of our life that we struggle with. So for some people, alcohol is an issue. And for some people, there's sexual immorality. For some people, it's drugs. For some people, it's television or movies or video games. And it's all of the things that pull you away from God. For some people, it's their smartphones. For some people, it's a book. Sometimes it's something that seems so innocent and we justify it. But if it's anything that's pulling you away from God, anything that's pulling you away from him being your provision for an emotional stability, anything that's pulling you away from him that is going to create a full life, then it's not living a righteous lifestyle because you're turning to something else before God. You're turning to something else for your, set, for your source of comfort. You're turning to something else to escape the world, to escape the pain, to escape the hearts, you know, the heartache, to escape the mind, to fantasize. All of those things are not righteous because it's not God. And it doesn't mean that they're bad, but when they come before God, now they have a different place in your life. God challenges me every day, and I'm okay with that because I like to be challenged. See, because maybe I'm not here right now. See, because as I spent time with God, as I spent time with Jesus, and I allowed him to pour into my life, these things start to come up, and they start to spill out, and they start to flow over, because they're no longer who I am. Straight ball. See, but this is not where you can stop. See, because this is God, and this is good. But this is still a big part of what's consuming your life right now. It's a big part of the time that you're giving to other things that are not God. See, and God, God desires to fill us to the fullness of our capacity. He desires righteousness is the fullness of God. It is the fullness of God. It doesn't matter how many times you come to church. If you stop pursuing the other things of God because you're holding on to these, you're still only half full. And yes, you can see what's up here, but I'm sure the people in the back, all you really see is the white balls, right? It's kind of hard to see what's filling the bottom. So the things that stand out in your life aren't always the things of God. They're not always. So God... I want to bring you to Ephesians 5, 3 through 5, and then Ephesians 5, 18. I'm going to read this. See, God calls us to put away those things. And he tells us that our life is to be pure. Ephesians 5, 3 through, sorry, 3 through 5. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper of God's holy people. Your holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be, be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person, as an idol, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. I went further. I apologize. Let's skip over to 18. 
18 says, do not get drunk or on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. But be filled with the Spirit. Is this filled? It is, but is it with the Spirit? See, we're called to be filled with the Spirit. We're called to be, to be so in his presence. And the only way, the only way to get rid of this is to continue to be in his presence. See, because the more time you spend with God, the more he fills you, and the more he reveals to you, and the more he shows you what needs to come out of your life, and the more he shows you what the fullness of him really looks like. See, these things are only on the surface. Only on the surface. Because every now and then, something little might come up, and you might be like, hey, you weren't ready for this before, but now you are, and let's talk about it. See, these, no matter how many of these were in this, could not fill it to the capacity because these left a lot of space in the jar. These, no matter how, how much of that is in your life, you are not in the fullness that God created you to be. You are not going to be fulfilled no matter how many of these things you hold on to. Because it's not what God has for you. This is, not the, this is not your portion. This is not what you were created for. These will only satisfy for a moment in time. But then you will be disappointed because this is what fills you to the capacity. God's presence fills you to capacity. It is the only thing that is able to consume every single part of this vessel. The only thing that can flow in and out of every part of this vessel. It is the only thing that can overflow and still remain inside. But you have to continue to be in his presence. You have to continue to allow him to show you the things that need to be removed from your life. To be fully walking in a righteous lifestyle. Because it's, we're, we're, not, we're not perfect. We know this, right? The only perfect man was Christ Jesus. But it doesn't mean that that can't be my goal. It doesn't mean that that can't be the finish line for me. It doesn't mean that that's not what I can't set my eyes on and say, yes, there might be some on the surface, but I want that God. I want the fullness of what you have for me. I want all that you have for me. And if it makes me uncomfortable because you tell me that I can't watch TV anymore, I don't care. I will fight through that desire to watch a show over and over and over again. I don't care because that is not what I want more than you. And it might only be for a season. He might need to just break me from that habit of using that to just tune out the world before I'm allowed to start using again just, just for the purpose of just entertainment sometimes. But then again, I also have to be careful because what am I using to entertain myself? There's a lot of really racy shows out there today, folks. I am, people always tell me I'm an old soul, and I love that because I am. But at the same time, like, I just don't understand some of the entertainment that we, that we label entertaining. Some of it just, I don't get it. Like, a lot of just basic TV shows are so filled with sex now. Like, something so innocent, like a family show and it's so turned. Like the simplest commercial. I'll watch a commercial and I'm like, why is toothpaste sexual? 
Like, how is this possible? I don't get it. It doesn't make sense in my mind. But that's what sells. That's what sells. But God created sex to be a beautiful thing. It was meant to be in the covenant of marriage between a man and a woman, and it was meant to be beautiful. See, but that, that, that is something that leads to family, and the enemy is constantly trying to destroy the family unit. And so he takes something that was meant to be beautiful and creative. I mean, if you think about it, God is the creator, but two human beings can come together and create one. Like, that's a part of God that we get that is so uniquely him. Like, we can't, just, we can't just create a human being out of our hands. Like, there's something he put in us that when we come together, we get to experience that creative part of his nature. Like, that's beautiful. That's amazing. But the enemy tries to pervert those things, and he tries to take it and turn it and, and take away the, the personal part of it, the intimacy, the intimacy of it. The, you know, um, I was talking with a couple friends the other day, and they said it, and, and it's very true, but the world has mistaken sex for relationship. They have taken sex, and they said sex is relationship, and then if you like the person, then that's, that's a bonus. But God created it to be pure and wonderful. He created it to be something that is to glorify him. And we don't always do that because anything that involves your body sexually that is outside of a covenant marriage is not right. Anything. The, the Bible clearly says do not awaken the body before it's time. I would really challenge, I don't know why I'm resting here, but I am, and I didn't mean to, but I would really challenge you to really think about the things that you're putting in front of your eyes, the music you're listening to, our music today, oh my goodness, the, the songs, the, 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 they're so explicit, like I, I, I can't, like I get like 10 seconds into a song, my nieces will try to play, they'll be like, can we put a couple of our songs on, and I was like, you can try, <laughs> but if I don't like it, it's going off. And then they, they kind of, I think they stopped asking because I've noticed the last time they were in the car, they didn't because what it turns into is a conversation about the song and about like, do you even realize what that song is singing about right now? Do you realize what you're putting in front of your, in your ears and what you're taking into your soul and what you are telling yourself is okay by hearing it? We are so influenced by music. I have to be very careful about the music I listen to because I'm, I'm very easily in, influenced by the, the lyrics. Um, and I've noticed that, like, or even like the, the tone of the music. If, if it's angry, I'm suddenly angry. If it's, <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm very easily influenced by it, so I'm very careful with that. But um, I just, I want to get back on, on point because I didn't mean to rest there, but I, I guess we had to. But I just, I would challenge you, really, Sexual purity is such a rarity these days, and it really is something to celebrate. It's something to be honored. It's something that is meant to be glorified. It is something that is meant to be celebrated. I know my last job that I worked at, I'm just going to share this, and then I'm going to try to get off this trail, but I, the last job I worked at, I literally had my coworkers. I, they didn't do it to my face, of course, but um, there was a group of them that wanted to go watch Fifty Shades of Grey. How many of you are aware of what that movie is? It's horrible. I did not watch it. And I told them they were all going out to dinner, and then they were going to go watch the movie together. I'm like, I would be 
first of all, so embarrassed to sit in a movie theater and watch that next to someone. Like, I, I couldn't even do it, even if I wanted to. But I, I told him, I said, I'll go out to dinner with you. I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I said, but I'm not going to go to the movie. And then the next day at work, it was like I had a day off, and then I got to work the next day. And there was such a rumor mill about me because I would not go watch that movie. I mean, really, it was like, who, who is she? What is she, a virgin? What is she, like, blah? And I was just like, I found out, and I just laughed. I didn't even go to the person who was the source because I don't feel the need to justify myself because I don't care what they think. I didn't care that they didn't, that, that they didn't think that it was cool for me to go watch that movie because it's not what I wanted for me, and it's not what God wants for me. Like, I want the fullness of God. I want to be filled to my capacity. I want to know that these things that sit on the surface are so unable to remain under the surface because God fills me more than the things that he's trying to take out of my life. That's what I want. So, see, I I want to pray for you guys, but I, I want to tell you the easiest way. The only way to really live a righteous lifestyle, the only way, because we're like, how do we do it now, right? There's a lot of information, but how? How do we put this into practice? How do you learn what righteousness is? The only way to learn it is to spend time with the one who is righteous. The only way to know that there is something in your life that is not supposed to be there is to know what God had intended for you the entire time. You don't know that this wasn't for you until you knew how good the real stuff really is. You don't know. I mean, I love ice cream. But if that is something that God says you don't need, well, daggummit, I'm going to have to put it down. <laughs> but it's, if he says that's not good for you, Because who knows? Maybe dairy is not good for my body. It might be great for yours. God bless you. (laughs) But what if... (laughs) We're going to have a moment of mourning for ice cream. But But it's like, but what if? What if he says, hey, Mary, I've allowed you to have this for a long time. And it seems so simple. But if God tells you something so simple as don't eat ice cream and you can't do that, what can you say yes to? What can you say yes to? And I'm not joking. I love ice cream. <laughs> but if he tells me no more, I might beg and plead with him. <laughs> I might say, but God, <laughs> can't you just make my body adaptable to dairy? <laughs> but if he says no, my answer will be okay. Because I want him more than I want ice cream. Ooh, felt that. <laughs> oh, Jesus, you're good. I, I want the things of God more than I want the things that will keep me from him. And sometimes it's something so simple as obedience that can keep us from God. If we're not willing to be obedient in something that in our mind does not make sense, that will keep us from God. It'll keep us from the fullness that he has for us. It'll keep us from the good things that he has for us, the good things that we were created for. I was created for good things. I was created to be righteous. 
I was created for intimacy with God, not with the things of this world. These things cannot fill me the way that God can fill me. If you go to Jude 24, 25. Jude, first of all, the whole book of Jude is really good. I would strongly recommend reading it. Um, I believe I have it up there in the Passion Translation, so let me make sure I read it to you properly one moment. But the book of Jude, Jude is talking about, you know, people who can come into your life and speak into your life. And and this is just a very quick summary, but it's not what I, the part I want to read. But he, he's talking about how we have to be careful of the people that we allow to influence us because they sneak in. And they sit at your dinner table and try to convince you that it's right. They try to convince you that it's okay. I was, I was talking to the school of ministry students yesterday. And we were talking about um, the ways of Christ. You know, and, and, and then also the label Christian. And how a label does not make you Christ-like. And I said, yes, I can be a Christian. But it doesn't mean that I'm going in the direction of Christ. So it's, you know, they, they ask you these questions sometimes, not the students, but sometimes people ask you, like, can I still have sex with my girlfriend and be a Christian? Sure, you can be a Christian, but you're not going in the way of Christ. You're not going in the direction that God has set out for you to be a righteous person. So it's, it's just, Jude's talking about people who can come in and, and, and just lead you astray if you're not careful, careful. And they come in and try to speak it as truth. They try to speak it as truth. They try to convince you that they've got this to prove that what they're doing is okay. But I, oh, I'm sorry, I just got sidetracked. If you go into this Bible to try to prove your lifestyle, you are, I would already challenge you to question yourself why. Why do you feel the need to justify what you're doing? Why, if I'm doing what God asked me to do, I don't need to justify it. I didn't need to justify not going to that movie. But if I needed to justify it and I'm trying to make this Bible twist and turn to fit my life, I'm going to question that. I, w- I would challenge you. If you instantly, if anything I talked about made you feel like you suddenly had to start defending it, I would ask you why. Why? Why do you feel the need to defend those things when they are not what God has for you? It's not what he has for you. I'm not, this is not condemning, please hear my heart. I want you to live in the fullness of what God has for you. I want you to experience all that he can do in you and through you. But these will hold you back if you hold on to them too tightly. You can't. You can't keep these down and put, and put the Holy Spirit on top. If you fill yourself with the Holy Spirit, these things have to come out. They've got to come out. The things of God will not mix well with that. So if you feel the need to try to use the Bible to approve your life and to try to t- tell others this is why it's okay, I would really challenge you to ask yourself why. Because that's not, that's not what it's for. It's a guideline but it's not to justify your life. It's to reassure you in the things of God. 
and what he's called you to and his goodness and who he is and who you are because you are good because you are in Christ Jesus who is good because he is, he is perfect. He can probably eat ice cream. <sighs> you think there's ice cream in heaven? There's got to be. Tacos. <laughs> there's tacos. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> We want to learn how to do that. we got to spend time with God. And Jude tells us, he says, Now to the one with enough power to prevent you from stumbling into sin and bring you faultless before his glorious presence, to stand before him with ecstatic delight. To the only God, our Savior, through our Lord Jesus Christ, be endless glory and majesty, great power and authority, from before he created time, now, and throughout all the ages of eternity. Amen. To the one with enough power to prevent you from stumbling. To the one with enough power to prevent you from stumbling. You cannot do it on your own. You do not get here on your own. But God's not asking you to do it on your own. He's asking you to spend time with him, to be in his presence, to be with Jesus, to be with the Holy Spirit, to allow them to speak into your life more than you do your pastors, more than you do the the spiritual leaders. Because they're amazing, but they're not God. You come to them for guidance, and, and God speaks to them. But they can't be your only source to God. You need to spend time with God. You need to get with him. You need to learn his voice. You need to know what he sounds like. You need to know what relationship, real intimacy is spending so much time with someone that you can just, you know who they are inside and out. You know who they are inside and out. I heard someone once say that intimacy is into me, you see. And I've always loved how that sounded. I don't know how, like, the twist on that, but uh, into me, you see. You know me so well that you see me inside and out. You know all the parts of me. The only one who does that right now is God. Whether you show it to him or not, he knows it. Right? So why not get real with him? Why not let him challenge you? Because I I promise you, as hard as this might be to lay down, this is so much better. It's so much better. This will only satisfy you for a little bit of time at different points of time. This will satisfy you always. You will never be in want with this. With these, you're always going to want something else. And you're always going to want something else because after a while, what was once there no longer satisfies. Fall down. But God has so much more for us. He has so much more. And I want to challenge you today. I I really do. I want to challenge you because if you really feel like God's speaking to you right now about something in your life, I, I, I want to pray for you guys, but I would really encourage you to come up and maybe just lay it down at the altar and say, God, I don't know how to lay it down, but I'm willing to. I don't know how, but I'm willing to. 
there are some things he's asked me to do, and I'm like, I, I really don't, I don't know how you want me to do it, but I'm, I'm willing to. And that positions your heart. Because God's after our heart. He wants all of us, but he wants this. This is what's in alignment. Um, I'm instantly thinking of the parable, you know, with the, good, the son, where the father asked the son to go out to the field, and he says no. Then he asks the other son, he says yes, but then he doesn't do it, and the one who said no eventually goes out and does it. I mean, whose heart was right? It doesn't matter if you say yes if you don't actually mean to. I'm not asking for a fake yes today. You're not doing me any favors by saying a fake yes. You're not doing yourself any favors, but I, I don't need a fake yes. I'm not, I, nothing you do today is for me. It is for you. So I challenge you. I'm just going to ask you. I'm going to pray for you. But really, like, bring it up to the altar and lay it down. And I know, yes, you can do it in your seat, but there's something about it, an, an act in the natural that shifts things in the spiritual. An act in the natural shifts things in the spiritual. And you don't have to worry about what people are going to think. If, you're that, if somebody wants to pass a judgment on you because you're walking up to the altar to lay something down, that's their issue, not yours. That's something that they need to deal with God about. If you feel like, oh, they're going to judge me, people are going to think it's because of this or that, it doesn't matter. You know what God asks you to lay down. No one else does. And if somebody wants to presume that they do, then let them. It doesn't matter. But I'm just, I'm going to ask you to stand and I'm going to pray for you. And we're just, we're going to have the altar team, the ministry team up here if you want someone to pray with you directly. But I, um, I do ask that as we pray, as service ends, that you take your conversation out to the atrium. There's coffee for the sake of those who are receiving prayer and just to honor them and, and to respect that. But Father God, I just pray. I pray, God, that you just pull on the hearts of your children today. Father God, that you, you know who you've spoken to. You know what you're asking of us. And Lord, I ask that you open our hearts to say yes to you today. God, whatever it is that we are laying down today, Father God, we say yes to you. Even if we don't know how to lay it down, we're saying yes to you and putting it in your hands because you know how to teach us. God, and I ask that you just bless every person today who comes up here and they put in your hands the thing that you've asked them to. Lord, and for those who might still have a hard time and are holding on too tightly to other things, God, I ask that you continue to just pour out your love on them. Continue to show who you are to them. Let them feel your safety around them. Let them feel your peace around them, God, so that there's a moment where they can lay it down and say yes to you. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you for your presence right now, and we just say increase. And Lord, I ask that you bless every single person here as they go on for the rest of their week, that, the, that it doesn't end in this church building, God, but the relationship with you continues outside these four walls, God. That they continue to just sit at your feet in the quiet of their bedroom, Father God, or whatever place they need to be for your quiet, God. And that they continue to just read your word, and learn truth and understanding of who you are so that they can learn who they are. God, we just bless you and we honor you. And in the mighty name of Jesus.
Amen.